Hello there and welcome to episode 20, which is our Christmas edition of Nothing Else Matters, music podcast that's setting out to try and establish what we think are the 100 greatest albums ever made. To do that, we've been reviewing the Rolling Stones' latest list of 100 albums and voting them in and out. We've uh, reviewed 95 so far out of the 100 and we've voted 64 in, which is 67%. So that tells you that we've only got five left to do. Woohoo! Um, so cool to get guys to do tonight a full house. So I just get around the room. So first of all, uh, we have Lisa. Good evening. How are we doing? Hello, very well. How are you? Very well, thank you. I'm very festive. Um, we have Mr. Wells. John, good evening. Uh, humbug. <laughs> <laughs> and to you, uh, we also have George back on tonight. Mr. Patterson, good evening. Oh, 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 motherfuckers. <laughs> and thank goodness we have a guest as well so we've actually been trying to get um, our guest on for most of 2023 um, which is all down to her not us of course and so our um, our guest for the last episode was brilliant and it's Julie Ray, the writer, author, playwright um, lover of Bill Hicks, Cakes and Nirvana as it turns yeah. out <laughs> sorry John, cheers um, yeah so Julie thank you very much for coming on, really appreciate that Thank okay. you for having me. Very welcome. And I think you know that we voted off Nirvana in the last episode yeah. now, so okay. sorry about Fine. that. I know. Take a moment. Yeah. <laughs> so a, a very quick housekeeping um, from the last episode. Uh, so myself, Lisa and John were on it, and we had Ian Smith on it from last night from Glasgow. And um, we lost Ian about two thirds of the way through the podcast. Now, he said he had a major uh, outage, broadband outage. Um, but we ran a very quick Twitter poll asking whether he'd faked his own death or not. And 73% said that he had, uh, including Julia Smith, uh, I might add. So um, I'm not sure we should give him his other vote, but we, we do give a guest the nomination of a vote. And he gave us his one-liner for his nomination, which was uh, Wilco with Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Which he said is simply the best record recorded in my lifetime, a sonic masterclass and a perfect study on how to compile an album. Exceptional, beautiful, beguiling. Absolutely one of my favourites. So that'll go on the list and we'll, we'll add that to the, the others that we've done. Cool. All righty. Um, so we are on to uh, our five for tonight. We're in the top five, so hopefully they'll be half decent. The first one we have at number five on the list is um, Abbey Road from the Beatles. So I'll just read a very quick summary as we do from what the Rolling Stones said to justify it, and then <clears throat> Julie will take us away. Okay, um, quote, it was a very happy record, said producer George Martin, describing this album in the Beatles anthology. I guess it was happy because everybody thought it was going to be the last. Indeed, Abbey Road, recorded in two months during the summer of 1969, almost never got made at all. Yet, determined to go out with the same glory with which they first entranced the world at the start of the decade, the group reconvened at EMI's Abbey Road Studios to make their most polished album, and Lennon, McCartney and Harrison reputedly sang more three-part harmonies here than on any other Beatles album. That warm feeling, a sense of an increasingly divided band warmly coming together as friends, may be one reason Abbey Road has become the most beloved Beatles album of all time. So that was Rolling Stone, uh, released 26 September 1969, 11th studio album, and we've had four others on the list already, and all four have been voted on. Um, so no pressure, Julie. Oh, yours. <laughs> tell us, tell us about Abbey Road. Um, Abbey Road. Although I think my favourite Beatles album is either Revolver or the White Album, the one I found that I return to a lot um, as an adult is Abbey Road. 
Okay. And it's very easy to not octopus's garden and there's you know it's kind of upbeat and there's a lot of stuff that people latch on to i just think it was a perfect album and then in hindsight you realize it's their last album i think it was a perfect finish it ends with the end perfect but i just feel um it's it showed a band although nearing the end still totally in their prime songwriting capabilities the creativity that is like stuff that even now bands would kill for it still sounds fresh 40 odd years later um it's iconic imagery it just felt like a whole band mm -hmm. from when they started to then where they ended the progression was amazing and i cannot help but feel that run of you know the last few songs can i she came in through the bathroom window um you know golden slumbers carry that weight that's just explosive it's sublime it just feels like that second side i do have a thing about second sides of albums and i think that's one of the most perfect ones and here comes the sun it's personal to me that was what i chose to play when i gave birth to my second daughter so wow. yeah it's a very special album to me yeah well, as i've got older Fantastic. And you said it's probably not your favourite Beatles album, but one you go back to the most? Yeah, yeah, I love Revolver, um, but sometimes, it, it, and, and I love the White Album, but I have to be in the right mood for the White Album. It can be a hard listen, but it's the one I just, when I was younger, I was like, oh my God, it, it blew my mind. I loved it. But I, and, and like that, I kind of poo-pooed Abbey Road because it was so upbeat. It was kind of like, and it, it's only now you go back, there's tons of layers. The songwriting's fantastic. Yeah, there's a cut. I have to be in the right mood. I have to tell you for... Um, you know, she's so heavy, I want you, yeah, I've got to be in the right mood for certain ones, but it's the one when, you know, I'm kind of dotting about her in the car, I'll put it on, and I just think it, it still stands up, I think it is absolutely fantastic, and it is deservedly, this is not in, and, and it is the Beatles, and it's the Beatles' last album, I will eat your Santa hat, <laughs> it's, it's just absolutely classic, and it's very easy to slag the Beatles, because they're all, they're like comfy pair of slippers, they're always there, they're always consistently good, and it's very easy to slag them, but this album, I'm sorry, this still stands up, it's amazing, it's fantastic, I love it. Here, here. We, we don't slag them, really. We're all, all, big, we're all big fans of them. John, um, go. But we, we've, we've, we've had some moments with them, for sure. I think partly because they have had five albums on the list. I think that's the most yeah. any, any one artist has had. So but we have managed to yeah. vote them all on, which is great. Um, cool. So it was the last album. Um, by the time they finished recording the album, Lennon had left the band. Although he officially hadn't left it. And then you know, McCartney left later on and all that stuff. But it kind of was the end, really. Um, yeah. And, and you're right, it probably doesn't come through in your music. It sounds fantastic. So we'll come back to a couple of other things. Lovely. Thanks thanks for that, Jill. It's a great way to start. I, I um, don't to eat Brian's hat. I think you'll be okay. Well, I wouldn't wish that on anyone. It's my Willie Wink hat. Um, John, follow that. Yeah, well, I disagree. It is not a perfect album. Um, it is a flawed album. I think Which makes it perfect. Um <laughs> Like a, perhaps, like a rough diamond. Well, yeah, yes. and perhaps, yeah. And perhaps that's, that's the beauty of it. Um, I don't think it's the best album. I think there's a, you know, Julie saying side two and all that sort of stuff, I actually prefer side one. Um, and, you know, that, that again, that's the beauty of hmm. your personal choice and what you're into. Um, I think tracks like Oh Darling, I, just that sort of gruff vocal, uh, almost a bluesy number at times, really, really good. I think Harrison's two songs are 
fantastic. You know, mm. talk about something, and and obviously, here comes the sun. It's probably one of the best songs of all time, really, and it probably deserves to be on just just for that one song, almost. Mm. Um, the medley piece, I think, is flawed. Um, I get why people like it, but you know almost take bits of songs and turn it into something, you know, I'm not sure it works to the, the point that people say. Um, but I think, you know, overall, pretty good album. The last album they recorded, not the last album they released. Um, and I love Lennon's quotes about some of Paul McCartney's songs, you know, music for grannies. It's not real music. Um, yeah, and, but he always said that, didn't he? Well, yeah, he may well have done, but yeah, um, just jealous, I think. Well, yeah, and I, I, th- I think some of those songs. Um, so, who's going to mention maybe, Maxwell's maybe, Silver Hammer first? Then, <laughs> yeah, you want to mention uh, Maxwell's Silver Hammer, John? Yes, that, that's, yeah, everyone yeah, else does. That's so. one, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then yeah. you've got the, the iconic. Album cover. Yeah. Question for you. Many Beatles are on the cover. Five. Damn, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> and because, because, John? The four Beatles plus the Beatles car. The Beatle car. No well done. The wee VW bug. No well done. And what was the number plate? <gasps> oh, oh, George. George. Someone. He just elevates it. He just takes it to the I next know. level. Yeah. 28 IF, which would have been Paul McCartney's age, had he lived. Absolutely. Yeah, had, had he lived. <laughs> had yeah. he lived. Had he lived. Absolutely. Yeah. Paul McCartney is live. <laughs> and the um, the walkway was a bit closer than the top of Mount Everest, which I think was their first plan, right? To record yeah. the, the album cover at Everest, right? So, top of the hill, but it's a bit easier, right? Um, cool, okay, John, you okay with that, mate? So, you, you like it, don't love it, I think, sure. You take yeah, on? I like it, don't love it. It's not the best album, okay? Uh, I, I, I agree, I agree, but I think it's definitely deserved it. It's not their best, absolutely not. I think Revolver's probably their best, but I do think. It, I, I, and I love that, oh darling, I, that throaty raw thing as well. Just it was so different, and they were kind of vibing on their influences, Chuck Berry and stuff. And and I, I think I love it as well because I was about nineteen when I, my dad was a huge Beatles fan, but I was about nineteen when I got into them myself, discovering their albums myself, what I liked, what I didn't. And I was reading a biography on Timothy Leary when I discovered really getting into Abbey Road. So it felt like everything was, no pun intended, coming together. So, you know, like, he's, he'd obviously asked Lennon to write a song based on the slogan, come together, let's, yeah. somebody's party. So it felt like everything was just the right time for me. And I don't know if maybe that's why I've got such a soft spot for it. Um, uh, and as I said, here comes the sun. I remember the same reaction I had when I heard Blackbird. I was like, if I ever have children, this will be the two songs they hear when they come into the world. And it was. I just wanted my children to hear the Beatles to be the first thing ever. Yeah. So, yeah. That's perfect. <laughs> They're very lucky to have a mum like you, Julie. Very lucky. 
so when yeah, I was... they, they don't think that because I'm in their room just now because there's <laughs> nowhere else here that is covered in crap. So basically they don't think that right now, but thank you. <laughs> so we've always been pretty honest on these podcasts. When I was a bit younger, I thought that Here Comes the Sun was a Steve Harley song. Oh, um, yeah. I did because I was a big Steve Harley fan when I was 12 or whatever. And... Um, you only that big, you didn't know what songs he sang. For fuck's sake. <laughs> I knew what songs he sang, I didn't know what songs he'd written. <laughs> so you did sing it, right? So, um... Stick to Rush, Brian, stick to Rush. Oh, mate, I'll come back to that. I'll come back to that. Okay, <laughs> um, go, George, you're on then. Since you're here, come on, tell us about Abbey Road. Gush, go, go gush for us. Well, I, I've made no bones about how much of a Beatles fanboy I am. It's the, the most important band to me. Um, not not just other people, but to me particularly. Uh, they, if it wasn't for me getting into the Beatles and you know just after Lennon died, I, I don't know if I would have went in the direction that my life went. Uh, and between 1981 and 85, I would say, I probably listened to this album in its entirety at least two or three times a week. I loved it so, so much. But I do agree with David Ross uh, that Revolver is the best album. I would say Revolver's probably, it's, it's flawless. But this probably means more to me in, in certain ways. Uh, it starts, no many albums start with two of the best ever singles, uh, but this one does. It's very, very unbeatles to have singles on an album. And it was a double A-sided single that mm. I think only reached about number four in the charts, which was probably the lowest chart position in about six or seven years. I think it's because, um, I think it's because they split the sales. In the UK, George. I mean, but they did, they did that with a few records and they got a number one. Mm. They did it with uh, Strawberry Fields and, uh, uh, and Penny Lane. It got a number two, but this one number only two, reached yeah. number four, I think. Uh, but, you know, and Maxwell, Silver Hammer, Octopus's Garden. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I will skip those tracks because I, I just don't, I, I don't appreciate them. I never have liked the sort of novelty Beatles that, that I just want to cut through the shite and get on to what they were really good at and when you get into side two it really moves me probably like no other record does especially when at the time it gets to golden slumbers and it's over you know that they're over and you know they're over when yeah. I was listening to this like 10 years 11 years after they'd broken up and a year or two after Lennon had died, I knew that they couldn't do this again. This could never happen again. So that carried a lot of weight for me. Um, but Here Comes a Sun, like Julie was talking about early on, it's, it's one of the songs, it's a song that we associate with uh, our boy Michael. Uh, it's a song that he first, you know, in the same kind of way as Julie with her daughter, uh, she played... Lisa played Here Comes the Sun to Michael when he was a literally a newborn because we wanted to introduce him to the Beatles as well. It's it's just that, you know, keeping it going for generations. and It means a lot. Uh, it, it's a great album. What a brilliant way to finish a seven, the hottest <laughs> seven-year streak in <laughs> recorded music history. Nobody's ever going to top that streak that they've been on. 
of the top five, it's I wouldn't say it's the best record, but it's the one that means the most to me. And listening to its possibilities, I'm 14 and 15 again and ready to discover a whole world of music. It's The Beatles are my Nina, Pinta and Santa Maria. They are the what came out so I love it brilliant Ailey I'll, I'll bring us down a peg then so um, two things just to put put us in a bit of context again Here Comes the Sun is Boris Johnson's favourite pop song he's a fucking idiot so it doesn't matter <laughs> just I'm just repeating facts George. George. Yes, I'm, I'm here to... he can't possibly appreciate <laughs> Here Comes the Sun because the man has no fucking uh, I thought that'd get us going. Yeah. Um, and also, I, I think you have to have a soul to appreciate the Beatles <laughs> and especially that song. So yeah. it's probably yeah. been some, you know, wee aid that's gave him that. And he just went, yeah, yeah that's my favourite that's song. He doesn't even know who the Beatles Cameron, are. No. Okay. Cameron said that Eating Right, he loved Eating Rifles. Right. Don't get it, mate. Fuck off. Eating Rifles. And also, well, Dixon Telfer says, um, Dixon said, Abbey Road, it's a no. Um, Here Comes the Sun is the only good song on it. And Maxwell Silverhammer is about a guy murdering a girl with a hammer because she won't go to the pictures with him. Yeah, this is top five material. Question mark. Smiley face. He's an absolute no. Funny enough, David Ross is a yes, but David also says Maxwell Silverhammer is the song that broke the Beatles up. Well, there's, there's kind of a bit of truth in that, I think. Um, Lisa, come on then. Yeah, well, there's a bit of a, a running theme in here because I, I think... Um, for for me, it's it's very much it's the personal aspect of this. Um, like Julie, it, it very much I feel like it inextricably links me with my children. Um, we have played this since they were very very young, and they all know it word for word. They all love it. Um, I can hear it in different rooms in the house at different points, but initially it was. You know, when we got in our thirties and had our first trip abroad to France, and we were all excited and we were driving there, and that was the record. That was the holiday record that got played on the trip, and it now it has become a record that it doesn't matter if we're going to North Berwick, East Coast, that has to be put on. If it's if it's not on, it's not a holiday. You no. Know? So I could say anything else, but you've said it all. You know, so really for me. It, it's very much about that, and I probably think more about that than anything else. You know, it might not be their best record, but it's certainly my favourite. And I mean, well, what can I say? That's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, here. So we. Um, so we've obviously got a few virtual guests. I've mentioned Dixon and David there. So um, eight of the guys come back and. Seven, six of them were yeses. Martin Metcalf was a no. And just to kind of keep that theme going, Martin's a no for every selection tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so he just wanted to make me. Yeah, I know. Hey, he's, Merry I, Christmas. I, he's quite proud of that, John. Um, he did yeah, grudgingly, he grudgingly conceded there was a couple of good songs on one of the albums somewhere, and that was as far as we got, really. <laughs> um, and what else did we get? Uh, the flip side of that is Skin and uh, Chris Thompson were a yes for all five albums tonight. Um, I think Skin said they were uh, all things of fucking beauty. Was his take on that, and so did Jack, my boy, actually. So, um, so yeah, mixed bag, six or eight were yeses. Um, it was number one, as, as George says, uh, 35 million copies and counting um, at the moment. Biggest selling Beatles album ever. 
surprisingly bigger than pepper and all that kind of stuff. Um, and as a quick aside, the reason I love it is because I love uh, McCartney's bass playing on it. I think it's amazing. It's something. The bass play. The bass line is something. Is one of his greatest bass lines. It's yep. absolute perfection. Mm-hmm. Amazing, mate. Which of course was Frank Sinatra's famous Lennon McCartney song, wasn't it? His favourite one. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I know. I have to say that, that something is also mine, but you know I'm a bit of a soppy cow, so. <laughs> <laughs> Okay then, um, we'll start with you, Soppy Cow. Then, what are we saying? Are you are you in or out? Oh me, Soppy Cow. Um, oh definitely in. Yeah, ladies first. This one, uh, Julie. Uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. John, oh, yeah. Please, John. Big John, fun. Julie. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, I also <laughs> like the <laughs> Well of Gallica and McCartney version on the Help album. Of come yeah, together. come together. Yeah, that's a good shout, mate. Uh, yeah, yep. yeah, it's a, a cracking version. Um, I just uh, enjoyed all the personal stories about this record, so um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, me too. Lovely. Thank you. Uh, George? Uh, despite uh, Her Majesty, uh, which the anti-royalist in me would like to guillotine from the, the album, it's a very strong yes from me. Good man, and, and likewise. Um, do you want to sing, Her Majesty? It's only 23 seconds long, isn't it? You could... I'd rather not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, she's not worth us anymore to de- defend herself, right? <laughs> um, okay, perfect. Uh, so obviously we're all in there. Um, I'll leave you to quote this one, George. Uh, 47 minutes long, uh, 79% of Twitter were yeses, which means 21% were? Fucking idiots. Fucking idiots, <laughs> right. Of course they were. Um... I uh, my PS to that is I think that um, just as a, a Beatles PS is that I wrote a scribbled two wee notes here. One was the Past Masters compilation, uh, Volume Two. One I think's the best compilation album ever, um, which I might fight people for if we ever do a list of best comp albums. Also, I, I took a I took a, a, a young lady to see the film. Does anyone remember the film, nineteen seventy eight? Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Oh, jeez, that's awful. Uh, it was a first date, George. Oh. Uh, what would that be? I was just, just yeah. on 13, I think. And man alive. Was there a second date? No, there wasn't. <laughs> no. no, I get dumped so Shocking. quickly. I can't explain <laughs> to you. I think I was dumped in the cinema. Never mind getting out. It was so bad. Um, and the last point, of course, we've said this before, but if you didn't have the Beatles, you couldn't have the Ruttles. <laughs> and you know, if you've never watched all you need is cash or can't buy me yeah. lunch or whatever, well, you must watch them. I have always thought in the back of my mind, cheese and onions. <laughs> cheese and onions is the best, right? It's Oasis. It's the one it's the one a Grammy Joe for Gallagher that. Has, Joe Gallagher has borrowed cheese and onions so many times. It's <laughs> lovely way to start. So we're in, we're in there. Okay, next one on um, is Stevie Wonder songs in the key of life. Uh, so I think John's going to lead on this. <laughs> Quick summary. So a month uh, from Rolling Stone, months before the recording sessions for songs ended, the musicians in Stevie Wonder's band had T-shirts made up that proclaimed, quote, we're almost finished, unquote. It was a stock answer to casual fans and Motown execs and everybody who'd fallen in love with Wonder's early 70s gems. And I then had to wait two more years for the next chapter. Songs, released in 1976, encompasses an incredible range of life experiences. The album's mastery of many styles remains astonishing, but the feat may, may not have meant so much had Wonder not delivered some of his most impassioned political art as well. Songs in the Key of Life linked all of this together in Wonder's all-encompassing inner vision. 
So that's uh, Rolling Stones, Songs Queer Alive, number four, uh, released 28th September 1976. John, all yours, mate. Yeah, so I hadn't listened to this album at all. I'm not a fan of Stevie Wonder whatsoever. Um, but 1976, 21 songs, double album. And we've talked about double albums in this podcast quite often. We have. 105 minutes. I'm thinking, I'm not going to enjoy this. Um, I would say it's his mag- magnum opus. I would say it is a funkadelic masterpiece. So many great songs. Um, obviously, some songs I've heard, um, such as Sir Duke, Isn't She Lovely? But stuff like Ordinary Pain, Loving Needle of Love Today, Village Ghetto Land, which I, I think is probably my personal favourite. Um, amazing. I think the, the you actually listen to it now, and I think the the production is so clear and crisp, it's just on a you know a, a different plane completely um, to what we see now. And I think you know the backstory to the album. He was going to chuck it, you know. He was going to um, just stop recording music and you know go and do some great stuff. Um, then change his mind and he signed a deal, which I think and run of it now. Would be worth two hundred and one million pound, which is mad when you think about it. Nineties year album deal over seven years, um, but yeah, I it's not something. It's not my type of music that I will go to. And a double album, I think it's an incredible piece of art. So, yeah, fantastic. Okay, brilliant. Um, so it was his 18th studio album, 18th uh, studio album, and it's the second one we've had on the list. I think we voted in Inner Visions, so it's the third one. We voted in Talking Book and Inner Visions, so it's his third one on the list. Um, and it debuted at number one, and it was only the third artist um, to do that with an album in America, and the first two were both Elton John, believe it or not. So yeah, it's got a bit of a um, bit of info about it. So we'll come back to a couple of those chats. Uh, Lisa, songs in the key of life. Well, Isn't she love? <laughs> is it too sparkly? I think is. That's the... just I thought that's David David Parton fan of me tonight. Um, yeah, <laughs> I have to say I think the eighties really put me off. Stevie mm. Wonder listening to the earlier stuff. Um, it's kind of when I started really getting into music at school, and obviously a lot of hits at the time, and we would mention some of them. But I, I, um, my very first love actually, one he got me a few good records, but one of the ones he did buy me was I Just Called to Say I Love You, and um, I, I really didn't like it very much, but I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't say anything anyway. What, why? <clears throat> I, I was kind of taken over by that. Oh my god, that's <laughs> that record and all this. Um, and you know, I was madly in love. However, it did eventually chuck me, and um, that got chucked to the back of the pile. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, my, my mum. Well, sadly, he actually died in his early thirties. And still, my mum says to me, "Oh, every time I hear that." <laughs> And, boy, and, and, and I'm like, oh my god. So anyway, 
past all that <laughs> kind of put me off. So, you know, later in life, listening to to Stevie Wonder's earlier stuff, obviously, I think it's fantastic. Um, this album, just song after song, just amazing stuff. Perfect. Well, oh, maybe a, a bit long for me, but mm, yeah, I'd, uh, yeah. As ever, I'll, I'll push a couple of buttons here. So. A I think that the album's 86 minutes long, plus the four EP packs that they added. Brilliant songs in there, so... Yeah? Yeah, it would it would definitely be in for me. Okay. Um, cool. George, I was thinking of this, um, um, when we talked about Veto, Village Ghetto Land, um, it was co-written by Gary Bird, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. And He's one yeah, of your men, Gary isn't Bird, he? Yeah, Gary Bird wrote a couple of tunes. Yeah. I think co-wrote a couple of tunes on this album. Uh, but he came back in 1983 with his own uh, killer uh, record called The Crown, which is about 10 minutes long. And Stevie Wonder's on that. He repays the favour on The Crown. But yeah, this is, this is just a great album. I love this. Uh, you know, as you were saying, his first album uh, of his new Motown deal, John was mentioning early on, and he was given like... <laughs> Motown shat it basically when <laughs> name the price, Stevie. And then yeah. okay. Uh, so I want a twenty percent royalty in all records. I want a huge advance. And that was that was pretty smart actually by him. And it was pretty smart by Motown. Was it? What's that? It's John. So keep keep oh. going. Oh, sorry, John. He's having uh, yeah, a having a rummy. It was it was it was pretty smart the most out he actually agreed to this this deal because this this was a guy who's 26 years old it, this was his 18th as you say studio album and everything he'd done up to this point was was he was getting better and better and better he took two years out to record this uh, and he came back with you know one of the greatest albums of all time you know but it's so good, you know. It, the, the album takes a wee bit of time to warm up. I think you know the first side is a wee bit. It, it's good, but it's it, it only really starts exploding into life with the, the tribute of the great jazzman Basie Miller, Satchmo, and the King of All, Sir Duke. Once it hits that point, there's no stopping it. By the time you get towards the end of side three and side four, you know, you get. You know, if it's magic, followed by as, followed by another star, and every one of those tracks is so different from the previous. It, it's it's a massively influential album, uh, very political as well as you mentioned, mm. uh, and obviously it's been you know so many songs on it have been covered and but never bettered. Yeah, I agree with all that. It's quite a chunky album. It was interesting. I wish you remember we, we had a chat about there's four double albums in the top 30, I think it was on the list. Um, and there was this one, there was White Album, there was London Calling, and there was Exile on Main Street. Yep. And, and when we had a few chats about it, I remember we ran a sort of Twitter poll, and this one was sort of bot bottom of the four, I think it was liked, but the other three were rated above it. And I, I didn't quite realise how big it was and how seminal it was, again, to be back and revisited it. Yeah, it was massive. I many copies it sold, but it's... Uh... Uh, five million sales to date in the US alone. Um, 13 weeks number one. That's not a lot out. of sales, actually, for, for an album of that. I think it's platinum. Yeah, 100 million career sales. <laughs> so I guess his World Wild stuff's probably made up for that. 
Uh, and but, I, I wish I answered you were both number ones in America. Uh, so, but two two brilliant singles, one after mm. another, and then as I say, those three towards the end of the album were just like wow. Just shows yeah. you the, the 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 depth of his songwriting ability. I'm a big Stevie Wonder fan. Always have been. The guy's insanely talented. And uh, when if you ever watch some of the uh, those. Um, classic albums documentaries you yeah. watch him you watch him himself demo a lot of this stuff you know in a lot of these albums stevie wonder plays a lot of this stuff himself on this one he didn't he, he got a lot of a lot of his friends and they get uh, people at like minnie ripperton for instance minnie ripperton come in this may have been one of the last things she actually recorded yeah herbie hancock's on it george benson you know, it's it's a, a absolute cast of absolute top notch professionals. So, uh, no, I love this, and I'm a big Stevie Wonder fan. So, yeah, Six, 60, 62 musicians and singers. Yeah, on the album, sixty-two. But you know, he, he could have done it all himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, to, to, to about organising, right? I think he was just using up Motown's budget, as you say, because he'd. You're paying for it. Keys to the uh, keys to kingdom, didn't they? For sure. <laughs> um, I okay. suppose rather than me saying, oh, maybe it's it's a, it's a bit long, maybe I should be praising him for the, the talent that he has to have such a huge amount of material that is album-worthy. No, I think it's I think it's too long. But I still think it's a great album, but I, I think it's too long. It's twice the length of Inner Visions and stuff like that. I just mm -hmm. don't, don't think it needs to be twice the length. But, but the songs, no, the great, the great songs in it are amazing. I think you could lose maybe one or two, but I think it can justify being a double album quite easily. I think it looks. Is it confusion? I wrote down. I, I thought it was terrible. Mm. Is that the... Yeah, it's a discoy, discoy. Amazon Link Palmer. Okay, it's all right. I yeah. thought you'd like that then. No, mate. You know that. <laughs> you know that. So I'll bring. I'll, so I'll bring um, uh, Julie in the second here. So one of the uh, feedbacks was from Carline, didn't he? So Carline said, uh, "It's a yes from me. I was lucky enough to see Stevie at the Playhouse in 1989." He plays six songs from this, including Sir Duke and I Wish, and an epic 35 song set, all for a time machine. Oh, that would be something. Oh, wow. I love hearing these backstories and stuff. They're absolutely brilliant. Julie, Stevie Wonder. Um, just checking, can you hear me okay? I keep getting wee yep. things pop up on a thing on my laptop, so I'm just checking you can hear me okay. Sorry. You're fine. Thank you. It keeps popping up. Audio restart, and I'm like, oh God, have I killed my laptop? <laughs> as I have done many times. Um, yeah. This is a great album. Like Lisa, though, I first came across Save Wonder when I was about eight, and I remember standing in Fine Fair to buy I Just Called Sell of You, and I was deliberating between the single between that and Shaka Khan, um, I Feel For You, did the do, and I went for Stevie, and I'm kicking myself, I should have went for Shaka. But well, Stevie's on I, that as well. Stevie's on Shaka. Of course, the harmonica, yeah. So thank you for making me feel better, George, but I did hold <laughs> up the, yeah, I should have took Shaka. But um, I think at the time um, I was young, I thought that was him just starting. It was only as I got into adulthood, I realised, oh God, you know, little Stevie Wonder and then all the stuff with Motown and I really appreciated him more. I had this album in my house for about 10 years and every time I started it, it felt too much. As George was saying, it took a lot to warm up and I kind of went away from it. And then after George Michael done the cover of As, I went, wait a minute, I'm going to go back to this. And I'm glad I did. But it, it felt, it, it's so weird. I bought it. I love Stevie. I, I would skip to the tracks, like the kind of well-known ones. Yeah. And it just felt like a slog at the beginning. I put it away. 
because it felt overwhelming. There were so many tracks and it just felt like a bit too much. But once you get into it, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. And I, I'm kicking myself. I left it sitting on a shelf for so long. Um, but I, I return more to Inner Visions. That's the one I prefer mm -hmm. more. But I think this is one, uh, I think I gave up on it too quickly. It felt, uh, the first few tracks, uh, just weren't clicking with me. Um, and I put it away and then it felt so overwhelming. It felt like, you know that way you see a big book and it's like this and it's like everybody's raving about it and you're kind of like, oh, I've got to read this. And you're just kind of like, I don't want to read it yet. And then you read it and you're like, oh, God, I wish I'd done that years ago. Um, so I do think it's worthy. I think Stevie Wonder is amazing. I think his later 80s stuff kind of mm. sullied his He's genius a bit. I think he should just have left it. Um, but I cannot deny this is an amazing album. And especially for this, I I, re, I went back in and rediscovered it. And, you, I mean, it's like a Paul McCartney and John Lennon. You take these people for granted. You think they're going to be there forever. You think this just comes easy to people. It's an amazing feat. It's an amazing album. And I appreciate it a lot more um, now than I did when I was younger. I think it's fantastic. It would be a yes for me. Absolutely. Lovely. Thank you very much. Okay, cool. Well, uh, we'll get around the room. So I think uh, the guys, um, we had six out of eight yeses. So Martin was a, a no, as I mentioned. Also, Mr. Ross was a no on this one. So um, I'll only read out this one from David because, he, he, you know, he likes to tell us stuff. So for Stevie Wonder, he said, no, um, <laughs> full disclosure. I once went out with this girl from the posh houses up near, <laughs> is it Wardnook? Is that right? Um, brackets, least will know. <laughs> she finally agreed to come back to Warnock? what are you talking about Warnock. Um, she finally agreed to come back to my house and on thank a massive drop in her social okay. standing she brought a record in brackets even though I hadn't asked her to and it was this one back in 8081 if it wasn't the Ramones the Jam the Clash etc it wasn't getting on the turntable the Stevie had some weird hippie shit religious acknowledgement message on the back and the, the cover and I slagged it for that it didn't go down that well. I read card defence, apparently. No snogging, no future. <laughs> that, that was the end of that. I had to walk her home in the rain, in silence. And on the way back, I got huckled into a police van, suspected of being a housebreaker whose description I matched. True story. So no, sorry, Stevie, I didn't get in. You're not getting in. So, so basically, we've had Lisa's breakup because of Stevie. We've had David's breakup because of Stevie. <laughs> so, Stevie? Yeah, there's some, some issues. He has some issues going on. He just, just learned to trust Stevie in the first place. Yeah, exactly. None of exactly. I, 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 hate, I hate to tell you, but I was gifted Chaka Khan as well. Oh, oh well. you're just rubbing it in, Lisa. You're just rubbing it in now. Yes, I feel oh, for you. Um, what else did they have? Uh, Missing an Angel, your admix. Guess that's why I call it the Blues. Um, Elton, so although he didn't write a lot of great stuff in the 80s, his harmonica was everywhere. Your rhythmics, yeah, there must absolutely. be an yeah, yeah, absolutely mm -hmm. cool. Um, great stuff. So, as I say, there's six or eight there. So, where did we start, John? We started with you, mate. I did. Um, I had to go off there for five minutes, but yes, it's a definite yes for me. I think it's a fantastic album, even for a double album. Um, and that takes a lot for me to say, as yeah. you will know. Absolutely, mate. Um, Lisa? I've forgiven him for the 80s, so yes. <laughs> Thank you. George? Absolutely. Okay. Um, Julie? Although it's not my favourite Stevie Wonder, 
it's see for just some of the tracks alone absolutely standalone it's amazing yep it's a yes yeah, yeah. since it's christmas i'll stick it in as well um <laughs> so we're a full house there from our end and it definitely carries it uh, a couple of pieces we uh, sorry 84 percent twitter or yes george um which we're getting there uh i, I a couple of things i wonder just to finish one is that the thing I can't remember most about that Village Ghetto Land was, do you remember George Michael sang it at the Nelson Mandela, I don't know, was it his 70th party or something like that that they had at Wembley Stadium? No. Um, and uh, and if I knew the song, I didn't really know it, if I'm being honest with you, and, and George Michael sang it and it was just, it was just amazing, you know, and like everyone else, I had to go back the way, which I think we've all had to do quite a lot with stuff and it was amazing. And also, I think he's the only guy, I think I'm right in saying that, has won three Grammys in a row for album of the year. Album, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's other guys who have won three Grammys for album of the year, but not three albums not in a row, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah I guess Which I guess, and he's 25 in total, so. Yeah, Brian, though, um, the Grammys is not exactly a benchmark because it's a lot of bullshit, like the Rolling Stone top 100 at times. Well, I've Very true, John. Very true. We, I, I right. wouldn't disagree, mate, but we are 67, 68. Um, percent in agreement with the wrong stone list at the moment. So, yeah, no, I'm not saying about this album, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, just, <laughs> just saying, okay, chew, chew, tune your Santa hat with that. <laughs> it's a lot of I'm, tuning. I'm wondering if the red wine that has been drunk during this podcast <laughs> year is maybe oh. something to do with the boats. Moving on. <laughs> Um, number, three, <laughs> number three uh, was uh, Joni Mitchell Blue. Uh, so, uh, Rolling Stone said, from its smoky introspective cover to its wholly unguarded approach to songwriting, Blue is the first time any major rock or pop artist had opened up so fully, producing what might be the ultimate breakup album and setting a still unmatched standard for confessional poetry and pop music. Using acoustic instruments and her octave leaping voice, Mitchell portrayed herself as a lonely painter aching to make sense of all her heartbreak. Along with its romantic melancholy, Blue was the sound of a woman availing herself of the romantic and sexual freedom that was until then an exclusively male province in rock. Mitchell continued to release excellent records throughout the 70s, but Blue remains her masterpiece. So that was Rolling Stone. Uh, Blue, her fourth studio album, released 22nd of June 1971, and it's the only one she has on the 100 at the moment. Um, Julie, we're back to you first one. <laughs> um, I love Blue. Um, I know it's been voted like the greatest album by a female artist ever. I think it should be like just the greatest album ever. I adore Blue. I came through this really just just a kind of serendipitous way. I was working as a waitress. <laughs> I was 17 yeah <laughs> and I was 17 and uh, there was me and another waitress there and we just we didn't do any work we skived we just gravitated towards each other we just we loved the same books same music and she said oh have you heard of Joni Mitchell now at that stage I was completely into grunge Soundgarden Nirvana Mother Love Bone just not not all rock and grunge so she's like, look, here's my album, listen to this, you'll love it. And it, I know it's like a pure cliche, oh my God, it changed my life, but oh my God, it changed my life. Um, For the very first track, all I want, just that I'm on a lonely road, traveling, traveling, tra oh, uh, I cannot tell you how much I love this album. 
and it's really dark because she's got this long blonde Laurel Canyon hippy chippy dippy but the lyrics are really dark mm. she'd, I know she just went up for like Graham Nash and she was sort of in a relationship with James Taylor but it was like that whole thing about the as acid booze and ass needles guns and grass lots of laughs lots of laughs and it's just so sardonic so jaded as somebody who's lived it and I and I just I love everything about this album the lyrics really speak to me I think it's absolutely beautiful obviously I know she was influenced by Miles Davis blue and she loved Picasso blue and this is like her blue period um a case of you you know the lyrics on that the piano at the last time I saw Richard uh, I think she's really really brave as well when she's saying you know I'm I'm selfish and I'm sad and I've gone and lost the best but she's I just love everything about this I return to this so many times way George was saying he could go back to Abbey Road I'll say that repeatedly, weekly. You kind of get withdrawal symptoms. I've left it a wee bit too long. And it's like a favourite book. I'll dip in and out, you know, my, even just a paragraph on a favourite book. I'll dip into a song here or I'll play the whole thing. I need a fix. Um, I adore Joni, but this album is everything. And and she's and she's so brave. Little Green is her basically saying, I gave up my daughter for adoption. That was so brave at the time, especially for a female, putting mm. it out there. Um, and I think the songs still stand up. I think there's a reason why it's on the top 100. I think it's criminal. It's the only one of hers that's on the top 100. But um, this, should, this should be top 10, let alone top 100. I absolutely adore this. This... And I do still have The Waitress. I still have that album. She never got it back. So, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Rachel, if you're ever watching. It's another confession tonight. We're, we're, yeah. we're racking <laughs> them up. I'm putting the wine away. It's still so, coming out tonight, yeah. So, so just to finish, so big Joni fan or a big fan of Blue? Or both? Oh, both. Both, both. right. Absolutely. Okay. But Blue was like my gateway drug into yeah. Joni. I didn't know her. I, I, as I said, I was so into grunge at the time. So into rock and kind of heavy, really kind of heavy rock at the time and especially grunge. I was a grunge baby. And this just, boom, I'd never heard of Joni at all, which was weird because my dad was a big Dylan fan and he always had tons of really eclectic mix, but he never did a Joni <clears throat> album. This was my first time coming across Joni. And then I kind of was like, you know, I'm you just create dig every Saturday. I was like, I've got to find more of her stuff. The next album after that was that I came across was Court and Spark, then Hijira. I mean, I just I adore her. She's amazing. And I, I remember when Jagged Little Pill was out in Alanis, and I'm not saying anything away for Alanis, but they're all like, Oh my god, it's still confessional. What a confessional album. And you're like, We've had Joni, we've had Stevie Nicks, we've had, you know, <laughs> Kate Bush, and they was like, My God. And I think that's that's a really telling thing about women that at that stage. They thought this was something new when she had actually blew everything apart like 30 years prior. They were probably yeah. influenced by it anyway. Oh, yeah, she, absolutely. Yeah, she, she was. We, we reviewed um, the Morissette album, and um, Julian voted it in. Um, and there was some quotes back to how much the, the, the Johnny Mitchell album, oh, yeah, um, and uh -huh. that for sure. Um, but you're right, I mean, Mitchell was so far ahead of her time, and the certainly in the songwriting, the, the lyrics mm. and stuff that even guys weren't really doing that, never mind mm -hmm. a female mm -hmm. at the time. So Absolutely wonderful. Okay, lovely. Thanks for that. Um, Thank it you. was the uh, fourth album we mentioned. Yeah, breakup album it was released on Reprise, which was actually Frank Snatter's label. We mentioned Frankie Boy earlier on there, but um, he set Reprise up to get Bill like Wonder to get his space from, um, can't remember, was that Columbia, I think? Yeah, was the main label. Capital, um, Capital, thank you, Josh. Um, so, yeah, so they, they had a whole bunch of stuff going on at the time, didn't we? Neil Young and, and mm -hmm. what have you. So, um, George, let's go to you, mate. Uh, 
a full disclosure one for me as well. Uh, back when I was about eight, 17 or 18, I was going out with a girl uh, and she asked me to get her <laughs> a album for her Christmas. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> I bought the album for her and I went, you know, I'm, I'm going to have a wee life. Because I didn't know the album. I knew Johnny Mitchell from Big Yellow Taxi and a couple of other tunes, but I didn't really know much about Johnny Mitchell. And she asked me to get her blue for Christmas. And I played the album and I was like, Cannot give this help on my way. I broke it's up with her. Me. You... I broke. I broke up with her, so I didn't have to give her the album. Uh, <laughs> I kept uh, the album. So I'm really sorry if she's watching this, like cursing me and sticking needles in the voodoo doll forty years later. But that's. <laughs> it was such a good album. It was what, such. What, a... what did you give her then? What album? I gave her nothing. I let her be broke. <laughs> <laughs> I was broke up just before Christmas, so I wouldn't have to give her this album. Oh, mate. <laughs> oh, George, you broke the illusion. I just thought you were the sweetest guy I've ever met. Oh, that was a bad, 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 bad boy. He was a badass. <laughs> no, it's just a nasty piece of work. So I'm very sorry about that. I'm confess. It's a using this as my, my confessional tonight. So doing very uh, well tonight. So you, so you I'm, not the, the, any, I'm not throwing any stones in my glass house. I kept the album that somebody <laughs> gifted me as well. So somebody <laughs> lent it to me, and I've still got yep. it as well. My love. So yep. no. <laughs> forgive, forgive me, Johnny. I have sinned. <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's it's. I, I loved Ladies of the Canyon, but. This I go back to this one probably more now. Right. Uh, I, I really appreciate the 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 nuance of it all um, a lot more than I thought. The, the songs on Ladies of the Canyon when I was younger were better than Blue, but the the older I've got, uh, the more I appreciate the fragility of life. I really do appreciate Blue more. It's she's one of the great songwriters of the era who doesn't always necessarily have to hide behind the cryptic and allegorical. She's, mm. it's on the page. And even mm. if you have to excavate a little bit, you know, it's there. Uh, and rarely as an artist made the day-to-day -day, day -day living sound so beautiful and ethereal. Nobody sounds like Joni Mitchell. Nobody sounded like her beforehand. And still nobody sounds like her today. But things like my old man, you know, Kate Bush, you can tell Kate Bush is mm. heavily influenced by Johnny Mitchell. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and I just, it, you know, you go through the, the whole album and every, every fucking song is just devastating. You know, River is as good a song as you're likely to hear on any album. You know, she's yeah. a, a case of you. You know, she... Joni is a sound sommelier, uh, a case of Joni, and you're still on your feet. It's, she's just perfect. And this is a pretty much a perfect album, so I, I've, I can't possibly even criticise it. It's that good. Lovely. Thanks, George. Um, and flip side to Songs of Keen Life, this album is 36 minutes long, end to end, 10 tracks. Not an ounce of fat on it. Literally not, not and you're you're dead yep. right, like a marathon run on me. Um it, oh, it's not there's no, there's not it's not even overly produced, there's mm -hmm. no excess instrumentation on it, it's absolutely flawless and it stands up probably above most of our contemporaries from mm -hmm. that gilded era. And that's saying something.
Um, big hit at the time, number three, UK, number, um, in fact, it was only number 13 in the US. Um, it kind of ga gathered momentum rather than being a hit at the time. Um, platinum now, um, she's won the Grammy, so obviously she has had her chops. Interestingly, one of the reviews that I, I read about her was saying that she, she, in effect, that early to mid-70s period was as prolific as David Bowie was. Oh, absolutely. Which I thought was fascinating if, you know, Bowie yeah. gets, you know, significant recognition and quite right too for... But, but, but and Dylan, they always talk about Dylan's run and look at her run albums yeah. as well. Yeah, and Stevie yeah. Wonder, you know, we just talked yeah. about Wonder, yeah. so but you blew it. I don't think Mitchell quite gets that, or certainly I'm not aware of her getting that much, um, maybe more of a musician's musician and... Yeah. 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 Um, but no, no, she's just fantastic. Um, Lisa? Sorry, I just need to move my Wally Winky. <laughs> can see that. <laughs> I'm not. Looks like a I'm comb not, over now. Well, I can add to to all of that. Um, other than I completely agree. Um, it's a fantastic album. I think for me, what what I love about it is is just see that the the acoustic idea that really allows her, she's got such clarity of voice and her vocal range is so incredible. And it, it the sort of acoustic background just allows her voice to, to really shine and, and, and allow you to really think about what she's singing about. But I feel as if the, the, the voice just goes right inside me. Like, you know, yeah. I, I'm listening to it. I just feel as if she's reaching right inside me and I really feel what she's saying. And I think that's that's to do with the production as well. And um, I love I love this album. I, and I, to be fair, I had only really known other songs like from, you know, growing up, like Big Yellow Taxi, my parents played a lot. <laughs> yeah. I really came to this album later in life as well. And it is just, it is just so, I hate saying perfect, but you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, um, I do. Yeah. Also, I like the, the idea that I was in, um, in, in August, I was in Crete and my, my daughter um, took us down to stay in Matala. Okay. And um, there's these, obviously the, the caves in Matala are really um, famous. And apparently Joni wrote Carrie in those caves. Yeah. Story, oh, I think yeah. I've said this before, but there was a whole commune, a sort of hippie commune, you know, going on that they, they all stayed in Matala. They were writing songs together. They were making music. You know, it was that, it was that kind of era. Um, and, I, and I quite liked being there and looking up at the caves and imagining Joni writing Carrie up there. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's Carrie uh, Reditz, I think her name is. So a big kind of red-headed woman that was, was one of her pals that she hung out with at the time when she was doing that stuff. Because she also... She, I didn't she tell you much more about who was there and what was going on, but I do know to this day, Matala is a re has got a real hippie vibe yeah. still. You, you know, I like, like Matalan, which doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that, George, now. The Greeks yeah. didn't make the There's certainly a commune living outside it most of the time, you know, so. Yeah, which is not, isn't good at all. Yeah, she she, um, she pops up in California as well, um, uh, indirectly. Uh, and again, Joni Mitchell's talked about how important she was to her at the time, so. Which is lovely. So you, you love it, right, um, Lisa? Yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you too. And of course, she, you know, later on talking about her now, but talking as if she's not here, because she's still here, right? Um, but she had some serious health issues, and um, she's obviously came back in inverted commas in the last two or three years now. Uh, played at Newport 
uh, folk festival, a jazz festival, sorry, and then she did some stuff last summer again, which is wonderful to see after all this time. And um, hopefully, she'll... if you ever get a chance yeah. to to see uh, one thing about Johnny Mitchell before I, I, I pass you on, but uh, to John is the song "Both Sides." Now, if you ever listen to both versions of it, mm. the version she did as a young woman and the version she she did, oh you yeah, know, probably about fifteen years ago. Yeah. Listen to both of them back to back, and it just it floors me if I listen to mm-hmm. both of them consecutively. Mm-hmm. Do Is that, that the one she's singing live? And it's like she's just yeah. it's just older, and it's like this. The just the, the her voice is so different. It's yeah. like the life experience and the voice. Like she's lived it now. So much yeah, really amazing, incredible to see yeah. an artist yeah. do that in two different ways. Yeah. I think there's so many amazing artists have covered her songs that that in yeah. itself tells you how amazing her songs are, if, if that makes mm. sense. Um, John. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I couldn't get this album yesterday and you sent it to me and I listened to it. I've only listened to it once, right? So I'll hold that up um, in a car driving to Motherwell and back. Um, <laughs> probably not probably not the best vibe. It's not Crete, um, is it? No. no. It wasn't Matala, it was Motherwell. The Lanarcher no, Canyon. No. <laughs> um, they have got, they've, got, they've got caves in Motherwell. I, I know that for a fact. Oh, they, they <laughs> So I absolutely struggled with it. Um, and I know there's a lot of a backstory because I read, I read about it and a breakup um, with Graham Nash and a relationship with James Taylor and all that sort of stuff. So the lyrics, um, I tend to miss that the first time I listen to a record. Um, I'm more about the music. And the thing that got me with this is her voice grates me. Yeah. Right? So we've, we've had this... Um, discussion about Dylan's voice yep. mm-hmm. some people yep um, and uh, I'm thinking no I'm not you know um, I'm sure she's got some amazing lyrics and I will revisit this album but thank mm. um, you give me Natalie Merchant give me Nora Jones before this every single day of the week uh, as I say driving from Motherwell to Denny <laughs> may not be the best way to listen to this album. No. Um, it's not the Pacific Coast Highway, though, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. To, no, to, it be, to be fair, John, so, to be fair, John, you're right. I mean, although there's, we're having a bit of a, a, a live in here, but you know, hmm. our, our voice and vocals and, and you know, the, the moving through the octaves and stuff, that, there is a bit of barmite in there. People do say it's too much. And, that's right. Yeah. And, and she's, and got, she's done a lot less of that, of course. Yeah. Um, and I, I, would, yeah. I, would, I would say that as well about um, Kate Bush. Um, I mm. find her vocal difficult to get into. There's cert- just certain artists yeah, get that. great with, with their vocal, and I just I thought, mm, nah, no for me. Okay, mate, no, I understand that. And as you say, you've not had a lot of time with it either, so um, mm. maybe we'll chat about it again. You'll, 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 you'll be back in there again. Okay, cool. Um, seven out of the eight guys, and Martin was obviously... In fact, Mar- Martin didn't particularly dislike it. He just, he just doesn't really get Joni Mitchell, but... Um, 
But actually, he wasn't particularly critical on it. The rest of the guys were absolute slam dunks. Uh, Carline said, uh, yes, yes, yes. A stunning album showcasing Joni's immense talent. The perfect Christmas listen to deserves to be higher, in my view, higher than three, which I think's is fair enough. Um, and just on that, uh, I was playing River the other day, and I only ever remember when it comes on this time of year of that, you know, the jingle bell sort of piano key thing. That, that I don't know what that is, the chords that they do. Um, and it's wonderful. It just seems to just it just kind of hits you at this time of year that that is there. It's a bit like Die Hard, isn't it? You know, you don't really know it's a Christmas film until until, uh-huh. until you watch it. Till it's Christmas, yeah. Um, UPIA. And can, all can, that. I, can I just interject very quickly on an absolute bugbear of mine, which is a lot of people have came to Joni through Love Actually. The film I detest with every fibre of my <laughs> being, and they now go, Oh, oh my terrible. god. She made Emma Thompson cry. And I'm sitting going, the album is better than the shitty necklace that it gives to the wee skanky screw in the department store. And please don't tell me this is how you came across Joni Mitchell. Okay, that's me done. Fine. Oh, done. very good. <laughs> I don't think I've even watched the whole of Love Actually, so... No, um, I got dragged to where a friend who said she'd watched it and she's like, oh my God, I have to watch this. And the cinema's amazing, it's amazing. I was like, okay, okay, that's fine. Yeah, no. It, yeah. I, I did get very drunk watching it in the cinema, so that helped. Yeah, and I've never, I just, I was I don't know how this is a love <clears throat> story or Christmas film, or I don't yeah. understand anything about it. I hate it unreservedly. Okay. Um, and the bit with Emma Thompson crying, it's like, oh my God, she got a Johnny Mitchell CD, no wonder she's crying. I'm like, it's a bit in the film. She gets a Johnny yeah, Mitchell CD. That'd be well Johnny Mitchell CD for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's just a lot of people are like you think they think Joni's released one album and it's the greatest hits of Joni because that was in love actually and it makes me want to blow my brains out so okay Merry Christmas uh, hi, I know for a fact Julie that Richard Curtis is a big fan of this podcast oh that's good yeah, yeah so, so, I had it was great though so yeah I'm just wanting, uh, I love, that's, yeah. Yeah. I love Notting Hill Notting, Notting Hill, Hill Four Weddings as well fantastic yeah. yeah. Um, I was just going to say, I, I can't think of any other artist. Now, bearing in mind, this is an acoustic acoustic solo album, right? Folk album, Bert Thomas. But two of the, my favourite covers are from this album. So um, you've got Prince, who covers A Case of You, and it's just yeah. wonderful because I love Prince, right? But you've also got Nazareth, who covered This Flight Tonight. Yeah, Flight Tonight, yeah. yeah. And when I, was, when I was young again, the sort of mid 70s, I, I loved that song. I think 75, 76 or something. I loved it, right? And I Nazareth, have not heard that. I Nazareth, they, they cover it as a rock song, right? And Joni yeah, Mitchell, Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and then um, and Joni Mitchell toured London seventy seven or something like that. And she came on and played it as a first song. She says, I'm going to play my Nazareth cover. <laughs> and and played this like <laughs> So <laughs> I had to think about Nazareth. I, I also thought they wrote Love Hurts. I was in a role. Genuinely, George, when I was going through my mid-70s. Brian, you're a bad, bad boy. <laughs> I am just so bad stuff, right? Grand McPhee gives me in trouble all the time for stuff, right? Isn't it funny, though, how, uh, how a voice can, can affect d- different people so very differently? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I absolutely adore her voice. As, as I say, it just seems to reach right through me. And, mm-hmm. and it grates on him, whereas I, I, I was the one that, you know, with Dylan, I struggle with his voice. Yeah. And it, it's... Obviously, it's very subjective. That's uh-huh. that's why that's why we're on, isn't it? So, we only had sixty eight percent of our friends on Twitter supporting us on this one. So we actually do have quite a lot of dates out there. John John was probably one that voted. To be fair, since <laughs> he's been back off the call again, right? So probably a way to vote again, probably. 
Um, okay, cool. for a fourth glass of wine, don't be silly. I know. So we've got seven, seven or eight on. Um, so I, I can ask John who comes back on. I, I guess the other four obviously are for big tick boxes there. Yeah? Absolutely. Perfect. Okay. We'll ask John who comes on, but it's carried anyway for sure. My PS to all that was that she's also on two of the most sort of iconic concert films ever recorded. One of which you'll the definitely know. Yeah, the last waltz. Totally right. Um, the bit I love about it was is when she's singing behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. To helpless, and um, by Neil Young, if you saw that, because they wouldn't let her come on stage because she was a uh, she was an unannounced guest, right? Which I thought was great. Um, but she also she was one of the backing singers on uh, the first time that Roger Waters did the Wall live in Berlin after the Wall came down. I didn't I didn't know that. I, I, I didn't didn't found, that. A, found a clip on it, and she's she's there knocking it out. So yeah, you know, chops to her for that. Cool, she's in. Um, point of knowledge. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's a hat. It's a magic hat. So number <laughs> two um, is the Beach, Bo the Beach Boys Pet Sounds. Okay. Okay, as Rolling Stone said, quote, who's going to hear this shit? Unquote. A Beach Boys singer might love us, the band's resident genius, Brian Wilson, <laughs> in 1966, <laughs> as Wilson played him the new songs he was working on. In fact, um, Pet Sounds actually completed a circle of influence. Wilson initially conceived of Pet Sounds as an effort to top the Beatles' rubber soul, with its vivid orchestration, lyrical ambition, elegant pacing and thematic coherence. Pet Sounds invented and in several senses perfected the notion that an album could be more than the sum of its parts. Wilson made Pet Sounds without the rest of the band, mainly using them only to flesh out the vocal arrangements. The album centerpiece is God Only Knows, arranged with harpsichord, horns, sleigh bells and strings to create an almost spiritual feeling. In the years to come, countless artists would aspire to live in Wilson's spiritual world. So that is actually quite a nice review. Um, that was number two, Pet Sounds, Rolling Stone, uh, released 19, sorry, 16th of May 1966, and it was their 11th studio album, and interestingly, the first and only Beach Boys album on the list. At number two. Okay, um, George, all yours, mate. Uh, I love the Beach Boys. Uh, I grew up listening to the Beach Boys and probably my earliest recollections of them are those just made me want to be somewhere that wasn't, um, you know, Largs or Salcoats, it made me think <laughs> beaches could be somewhere pleasant to be rather than places full of broken glass and dog shit. <laughs> um, I, I just, I wanted to go to California because of the Beach Boys. But the, when I first heard Pet Sounds, I probably heard it around about the same time as I was, I was listening to Joni Mitchell's Blue. And I didn't really get it back then. The older I got, you know, I think I was probably in my early twenties by the time I really get into it. And I remember it was on it was one of the albums I used to put on when I used to go and meet my my first wife, she'd be coming into Marlebone Station. And I'd have a wee bit of time, I'd have a couple of pints and I'd sit in my office uh, and I'd have a wee sort of just catnap uh, and I'd have pet sounds on in the background and I'd listen to it uh, just in anticipation of her coming in in the next hour or whatever. Um, and I, I, it just, 
speaks to me. Uh, you know, but I, the, the time they're half a minute into the opening track, you know, uh, wouldn't it be nice, which is, is a song that always reminds me of that time. You know, you're hit by one of the most perfect sets of harmonies ever recorded. Yeah. You've got Hal Blaine and Carol Kay, you know, as the rhythm section, you know, for the wrecking crew, it's the Beach Boys themselves, you know, perform the vocals. And I've got a, I've got a great, uh, I, I bought the, the deluxe uh, Pet Sound CD a few years ago. Yeah. And it had, it broke down all the tracks so you can actually listen to everything, just the vocals, strip all the music away and just listen to Pet Sound's the vocals and it's stunning. It's an incredible piece of work. Young love has never sounded so achingly perfect. <laughs> it's, it's mad to think that a kid of what 24, 23, yeah. 24 could create yeah. such a rounded piece of work. Uh, it's superb. It's like it's like being at the world's spookiest fairground. <laughs> you know, let's yeah. go away for a while. Is like you know, it's uh, Brian Wilson trying to be Bart Bacharach and succeeding. Mm. Uh, I don't like Slip John B. I've never liked it. It just felt like a you know, a, it yeah. stuck it for thumb on the album. Yeah. But it, right after that, you've got God Only Knows, and that's like one of the, the great lyrical pop songs, sonic pop songs you'll ever hear. It's an album filled with beautiful insecurities, baroque melodies and offbeat sounds. And if you just scratch beneath the surface, it's so ghostly, it's almost goth. You know, tomorrow is here and gone so fast. Uh, I just wasn't made for these times. It's, 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 I could hear the Jesus and Mary chain doing this. That's how wide it reaches. It's a, it's a great album. It's you know, a, a perfect teenage album. Love it. So there's real thanks, Charles. That's fantastic. And and just taking that point, although this was what I say, their eleventh studio album, but this I'll, I'll say their first adult album for want of a better Proper word. Album. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and the very first line of course on it is is it wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be nice if we were older? Yeah. <laughs> uh you know, and, and there was a whole thing about he just said he would stop touring. So he stopped touring the year before. Um, so it's kind of lots of similarities with what the Beatles end up doing, but yeah. Wilson was kind of ahead of his time, really saying, like, what I want to Absolutely. do is make music. I don't about there playing to kids and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, and it was, yeah, you're right. I, I think there's a lot of chat about it was kind of respected more than loved the record for a oh. long time. Um, but I think over the time, over the years, of course, it's became more and more loved as well. Um, fascinating guy. Absolutely good. Literally, there's a podcast on Brian Wilson, I guess, on its own. <laughs> If you yeah. ever see that there's a movie they made a few years ago and the two actors play Brian Wilson, one was Paul Dano and the other one was John Cusack, and they play Brian Wilson at different points in his life. And Paul Dano, that, that sort of uh, slip into, you know, serious mental illness, um, it, it's very, very affecting. Um, yeah. And where, where his head was at this point where he was getting a bit lost it's really worth watching and how he gets out of it around the other side. What was it called, George? Do you know? Uh, Love and Mercy. Love and Mercy. Good night. I'll go and find really that. Really good on, on the chat. Thanks very much. Lovely. That's great. Um, cost seventy get seventy thousand dollars to make. Um, sixty six, which is six hundred thirty grand today's money. So, um, but like Stevie Wonder at the time, you know, he was he was absolutely worth getting every his, penny. Yeah. Getting his money. Yeah, absolutely. Time has proven that. Um, for sure, mate. Um, Lisa, 
Oh, Lisa's not there. Um, John, but <laughs> ask Lisa, she's not there. John, John, what was your vote on? Sorry, that was the supermarket order coming in the door. <laughs> Quite right, mate. John, what was your what was your vote on Johnny Mitchell? Never asked you. Out. Out. That's okay. Well, we, we thought that we, we we guessed that, but it's in anyway. So sorry. This was madness. This was madness. I I have never ever so far on this podcast done five eighty five, and I'm not starting now. Oh, what you like? You're like the Grinch, right? Um, yeah. So, <laughs> go on then, John. Tell us how much you love pet sounds. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, where do you start with the Beach Boys, right? Um, they're very saccharine um, at times. Um, not so therefore not for everyone, but this album is not that. They're often imitated. The ever better, probably not. Um, the sun, sea, surf, I think that's out the window here. Um, it's pretty much a Brian Wilson soul album. Um, and yeah. I think the the first single, which name escapes me, was uh, Car- Carly. No, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So, um, so it's quite, I think it's quite again, quite interesting the historical take and all that kind of stuff. And quite like a lot of the albums that we have talked about in this journey in the past 12 months um, weren't well received when they first landed. Mm. And this one didn't really do too well. Did, did okay. okay. Um, number, bit, number 10 in Billboard. Um, that's right, yeah. Which, in the UK. You know, you, you would expect to be better. So I was a bit surprised about that. Um, lots of self-interpretation, paranoia, drugs, breakup relationships going on in his life. Um, and so a great album, um, I think. And I also think as well, um, we, we talked about Abbey Road, the album cover, how iconic. Mm-hmm. Fuck it, fucking hell. <laughs> what about this one? Oh, right? <laughs> yeah. One of the worst album covers <laughs> in history. Uh, there's, a, there's a story you behind know, that thing, isn't there? Well, well, there is, because yeah. they, they got banned for the San Diego Zoo for mishandling the bloody animals. <laughs> right? Oh, <clears throat> uh, good. I didn't know that was a story. I thought it was another. <laughs> That was the other one. Yeah, oh, yeah. Very good. The band for the zoo. So okay, we'll go um, back to the music then. But yeah, <laughs> but love it. Um, God only, God only knows all those songs. Um, fantastic. So big thumbs up. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Has he, in his head he wanted to make a Beatles album that sounded like Phil Spector? Hmm. Was his his kind of working thought process? And you know, I think arguably he's probably not not many miles <clears> off. That's right. That. That, that's right. Yeah. I think. I think. Um, he took, he listened to Rubber Soul and thought, fucking hell, that's amazing. Yeah. I need yeah. to do, I want to do better than that. And then they did. And then essentially, some or not, maybe not all of the Beatles thought, fucking hell, we've now got to improve. And that led, led yeah. to Sergeant, yeah. Sergeant yeah. Pepper. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's almost circle. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing moment on around that time, and you've got Dylan knocking mm. it out at sixty-six as well, and mm. have you? So absolutely amazing. Well, I, I saw, I saw uh, 
Brian Wilson with the Wonder Mints back in 2008 do pet sounds. Wow. Did a, he, did, he did pet sounds and then he did, you know, the rest of the greatest hits. But yeah. it was like, oh, wow, we finally got a, a group who were absolutely tuned into him. It was an yeah. a, a, a incredible evening. I bet it was, mate. Where was that? Uh, Royal Albert Hall in London. Ah, some of your favourite gigs in there, right? That's it's the place I've seen most. Acts, I know. Actually. Amazing. Or that or the Barrowland. A bit different. <laughs> Just a little, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lisa, now you're back from Tesco's. Oh, <laughs> sorry about that. That's okay. You're supposed to be here later. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Pet Sounds is, is an album that gets played in here just about every, every Friday night, I have to say. So definitely a favourite with us. I absolutely adore it. Um, love, love the harmonies. Um, I think it should be in... I just love that. Um, God Only Knows is just one of my favourite all-time songs. And so mm. I think it just should be in the top 100 just for that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, I'll go on to Julie then and we'll have a bit of a rap on it then. Julie, are you, yeah. are you in the love fest? Yeah, it's so weird um, because I first came across the Be Beach Boys when it was like parties, house parties, and it was a greatest hits. And it was like a surfer on the surfboard and it was all oh. the bobby, bobby, bobby. Yeah. So I stayed away from Pet Sounds for the longest time because I was like, it's just going to be really poppy, poppy, poppy. And it was, uh, I think it got reissued and in the 90s or something, I was, or, or something, I can't remember what it was, but for whatever reason, and I must admit, the cover really put me off for a long time as well, because I kind of thought, this is like a Val Dunican thing, I was like, I don't know what I'm coming into here, um, but <laughs> God Only Knows um, was meant to be our wedding dance song, but the DJ didn't have it, um, but he didn't tell us that until we were actually doing a wedding dance song, and we were like, so what did you what did you have then so. well he thought because we asked for god he thought we're a couple of religious nuts so he, they put on heaven by brian adams oh, yeah i thought you, I yeah. Thought you were going to say talking heads Ooh. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So oh, psych, like, and we were just like just just go just just go with it kind of thing yeah. Yeah. but we were like and he just thought we're a couple of like God bothers because we'd ask for God. Either it was like a religious oh, thing, good. and we're like, oh my God. Anyway, by that point, I was very drunk. Um, so I love God Only Knows. One of the thing, one of the the songs I love is Caroline No. Uh, and mm. one of the, it's see that, um, where did your long hair go, mm. Caroline No? I didn't realize it at the time, but see, as you get older and your hair gets short, you've got kids and you're getting older, and it's like, and it just felt like in that line, it encapsulates the loss of youth. And a man looking at that they're shared a life together, but it's like, where has that youth went? And that's in one line. It was amazing. I always find it so poignant. It's an amazing album. Um, I, 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 I'm just echoing it. What everybody said. Um, I, I think it is, you know, his album. It's his yeah. masterpiece. And it, it, I love the fact that you know they were kind of, as John was saying, the Beatles. He was inspired by the Beatles. Mm -hmm. They were inspired by him. Was like they're pushing each other to, you know, kind of drove them a bit mad, literally. Um, yeah. But it, it was. Yeah. It's it's such an amazing album. It stands up. It's and and even if every single song and it was crap, see for God only knows. Yeah, it's got to be in, just for that so, alone. But no, no, no crap. It's amazing. The unsung hero of the album for me is Carl Wilson, the singer. Uh, the, the Brian's younger <laughs> brother. 
He's just an incredible singer, and he took the lead on God Only Knows, I think. Yeah, he he does, got, yeah. He's the, wow. He is the guy. He's. It, it was really, I think Brian was writing songs. He, he really wanted his brother to sing, and yeah. Carl just nailed that one. Yeah, so I can't imagine any other voice yeah. singing no. that. It's perfection. Mm. There's, <laughs> a, there's a video on YouTube of the last time they all played together, uh, the Beach Boys, which I think was in Nebworth, 1980. I think it's called Good Timing. Nebworth. Um, and Nebworth's probably not, not particularly well set up for um so, for the Beach Sorry, Boys. am I high? The, the Beach Boys played Nebworth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Never mind, I'm cutting off with the source. What? <laughs> but it's the last time that the, the, the full Beach Boys band played live together. Um, and, the set, and the set list reflects that. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Um, Dennis Wilson's there, and all the old guys, all the groups there. So it's fantastic. Cool. Um, all righty. Um, so uh, we... can, can I just interject really quickly? See, since this is a Christmas confessional, uh-huh. really, <laughs> I can't even remember what my first dance was. <laughs> and I, I wonder if that was a song. To go. <laughs> you, is you, is um, the great man next to you there? Do you want to ask him? No? Yeah. No. Okay, he won't remember either unless it's Chopin oh or something. God, the Tesco order away. <laughs> I really doubt it. Uh, okay, but if, he, if he's about, we'll ask him before we finish. Okay. Anyone else you want to do first waltzes? First or second uh, weddings? I did. Um... We do, uh, oh, we did a bit of blur and we did a bit of Paul Weller. And I tell you, 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 I I've All played right. that for you on the radio show. Yeah, before. you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Marion's done. Yeah, yeah. So that, was a, that was a first. Did you get any first waltzes? I've, I've been married twice. So I know. I've done it twice. Now, uh, first, one. first one was... Not the same uh, song, please. <laughs> no, not, not the same song. Even though I met both of my wives in the same place. Strangely. Wow. Dare wow. um, we ask? My, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, the first one was Unchained Melody, uh, The Righteous Brothers. Mm-hmm. And the second one was Islands in the Stream. Oh, uh, Parton and Kenny Rogers. And for that. The, the, in the second marriage, uh, when we, we did the dance, <clears throat> everyone joined in. Everyone was at, we had a, a tent in uh, Regent's Park. We hired a part of Regent's Park out and we had a a big tent in there and everyone joined in and it was a a wondrous a oh, wondrous wow Brilliant. Brilliant. Richard for Curtis that. is actually watching <laughs> the there just saying next movie perfect yeah. Yeah. Um, Alicia's Athic was the incidentals I ah. love that song Brilliant. So, thanks for that guys yeah. it's all coming out tonight this is great I was on Chain Melody as well believe it or not ah, really yeah okay I know, uh, 91, I think that was so. Same here, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Um, probably cool. a bit better work than I did. <laughs> uh, Lorna wouldn't agree. Um, so, um, yeah, we're still going. What we've got is 7 out of 8, so we'll go around the room here. Are, are we all in here? Sounds like a 
big thumbs up for everyone. Yeah, it's like yeah. iconic, isn't it? I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, it's actually my second favorite Beach Boys album, but um, after it's amazing. Surfs up. Surfs up. Okay. Or kind of equal album. <clears throat> Did things, I guess, you know, big, big album, 71 or something like that. I've got a great Brian Wilson story to finish before we move on. I know we're extending it a little bit tonight, but it is Christmas. There's so many of them, right, but this is great, right? So <laughs> sometime in the 80s, he was he was touring somewhere, and after the gig, um, you know, you do the meet and greets and stuff, right? So he always had, like, a whole bunch of musicians and famous people there coming to see him. So one of the people who came to meet him was Don Henley from the Eagles. So he's sitting doing, doing doing his kind of, you know, how's it going, everyone. So they're coming over one at a time. So eventually Don Henley comes over and he goes, hi, Don, how are you? And he goes, oh, Brian, that was amazing. And you're great and all that kind of stuff. So he has like a program brochure thing. So he said, would you, would you write a few words on it? So Brian Wilson gets his pen out and writes on it. Uh, to Don, um, congratulations, you've written some amazing songs. All the best, Brian Wilson and gives him it back and he walks away. So Don Henley walks away with this thing under his arm. He kind of chuffs. So he just about walk out the door and Brian Wilson shouts, Don, Don, Don. So he turns around and he says, come back, come back. So he comes back thinking he's going to say to him, you know, we should like, we should record together or we should do something. So he says, give me a brochure. So he gives the brochure back and he puts it down in front of him and he gets his pen and he scores out amazing and he writes good next to it and gives him it back again. <laughs> Because of a bad game, it's away, right? Done, Brian Wilson. Well done, Brian. Props to Mr. Wilson, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Fucking yeah. Eagles, man. I don't need to, right? Desperado. You, you do yeah. know, um, our, our friend Bob's got a couple of um, he has, stories. Yeah, Bob's stories. Got stories, yeah. yeah. Brian Wilson stories. He does, Mr. Yeah. Wilson, yeah. If, if yeah, I could yeah. have got him yeah. on the podcast, I'm sure we would have got him. But he's promised in 2024 he's going to join okay. us. We'll see how that goes. So, Bob, if you're watching, mate, we'll keep you to that. Okay, so we're finishing hopefully on a high. Um, so the last one tonight we have is uh, number one on the Rolling Stones list, which is What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. So I'll have a quick um, summary of that, and then Lisa will give us a, a quick take on it. Okay, in 1970, uh, Gay was in a dark and contemplative place, wounded by the death of his frequent jet partner, Tammy Terrell, yearning to sing subtler and more substantive material, and mulling over his brother Frankie's horrifying tales of his recent stint fighting in Vietnam. After some hesitation, Gay embraced the song What's Going On, uh, originally crafted by his friend Obi Benson from The Four Tops, and unleashed one of his most spectacular vocal performances in a career full of them, scatting and improvising around the main melody. Motown Records founder Barry Gordy initially resisted releasing what's going on, but when the song became an instant hit, Gordy gave, uh, Gordy gave Gay a single month to craft an album to accompany the single. What emerged was Soul Music's first concept album and one of the most important and influential LPs ever made. At the end of the final song, the music shifts back into a jazzy reprise of the title track, as the album fades out, the groove continues on. Five decades later, it still hasn't stopped. So that was the last one on our Rolling Stones 100 list, which I struggled to read there. It's getting quite emotional. Woohoo! Um, it was released on the 21st of May, 1971. And it says, like the Beach Boys, the only Marvin Gaye album on the list at number one. So Lisa, take us home with Mr. Gaye. Well... Smokey Robinson um, said that this was the greatest record ever, ever made, so who am I to argue with that? Um, as you've already said, um, his producer and, and Motown were, were not so keen. Um, 
I think that they just felt that how were they going to make hits out of a, a political, po politically conscious album. Um, but I think he got to a stage in his life where he, he wanted to um, escape from that and, and actually sing about what, what he was feeling himself, not only just about the world, but also in his in his personal life. His brother had come back from Vietnam. And so he lost the, the tie and the suit, grew a beard, and um and basically wrote that this album, the the first what's going on, it's interesting. I, I think people always see it as a question, but it's actually there's no question mark there. It's what's going on, he's telling us what's going on. And um, although it's a, in a in a sense it's a protest album, it's not like a call to revolution. It's much more gentle. It, it's more asking us to or imploring us to reflect on the issues that he's concerned about. And the first song, um, "What's Going On," basically stands alone, and then just leads on to every other song in the album, which flow together so smoothly. Mm -hmm. and it encompasses all the themes um, that he wants. He wants us to think about. You know, it's, he wants to think about war. He's concerned about the planet, um, police brutality, urban poverty, all the things that he he felt um, were were concerning him in in America, but also worldwide. And I just feel as if it's all the all the issues. That he he talks about in, in his lyrics are actually so pertinent to us today, and and that's probably what makes it such a um you know a, a masterpiece and what and one that is will stand the test of time. And I I I, I think it's just such a lush album. He 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 found his own voice. He felt that he, he actually admitted that he, he he thought that he he was he'd been singing too loudly, you know, in the former. Mm hits from the, the 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 Motown hit factory and he had this more sort of um floaty soft gentle voice and the music was influenced from soul jazz funk um I think it's just such a wonderful album um I've probably not been very <laughs> clear in what I'm trying to say there but um you know you, you know where I'm going and I think I at the end, yeah I, I think at the end of the day um Today, it's as 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 vital impression as it was then, and I I don't know what he would say if if he was alive today, and I, I know myself when I was um I was playing it earlier on and and I was listening to Save the Children. I have to say, I actually felt so emotional. You know mm -hmm. what's going on in our world today, especially with with Gaza, Yemen. Mm -hmm. I just thought, oh my God, you know. What, it's just so so prescient for for us in these times, and and I felt really quite sad actually. Um, but having yeah. said that, it's, yeah. it's a love it's a lovely album, and in it, in its own way, it is joyous. But yeah, there, there's a lot lot in there to make all of us think. Yeah, there is. And I, th I think I mean the songs are great, but I think the message, I guess, is one of many reasons it is. It's been revered over the years, isn't it? Because uh, if anything, it's got more powerful rather than less. So, um, so thanks for that, Lisa. That was that was absolutely great. I mean, I, I, there's there was a review that I said that it was it was soul music's um, Sergeant Pepper's 
because there was a, a view at the time that sort of soul music, rhythm and blues music was more sort of singles orientated that then became albums through singles, but they didn't make sort of concept albums, if that's the right word for it. And Game, one or two others, Curtis Mayfield and uh, Isaac Hayes and others kind of changed up pretty quickly. And then after that, they were away doing all the Black Expectation stuff and, you know, all the all the really important stuff in the 70s. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's important in so many levels, but, you know, Bottom line is the songs are amazing, right? So yeah, well, I, I think I think yeah. today, um, I mean, obviously I know the album, but you know, just listening to it so freshly, yeah. it, really, <laughs> and you know the 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 lyrics. Sorry, I'm reading here because my memory is terrible. But you know, when he says, you know, but who really cares? Who's willing to try to save our world? You know, um, yeah. and to save a world that's destined to die, and it's it it just encompasses so much there with. Um, what we're facing, you know, the planet, war, it, it's, 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 it's quite incredible. That's incredible. George? Uh, this is a, a really important record. Uh, 1971, some phenomenal records were released in 1971, and um, in black music, it's a, it's a pivotal year because Sly Stone released... Um, there's a riot going on and Gil Scott Hearn released pieces of a man and those are two absolute masterpieces but this this is for me levels above both of those you can't touch this um, I dip back into this song cycle regularly um, and it's it's the point where Marvin Gaye stopped being a pop star as such and became you know not even a spokesman for for his generation, but a guy absolutely in tune with with himself, possibly for the first time in his life. Uh, the death of Tammy Terrell, uh, a heart and brain tumor, and then her subsequent death uh, hit him absolutely like a ton of bricks, uh, and it, it brought back those suicidal thoughts that he'd had back in the early sixties, when he was he was a very very unhappy man, um, and his brother in Vietnam, and you know the financial troubles that he'd had, the breakdown of his marriage, everything seemed to be going wrong, and he actually met Obi Benson from the Four Tops um, on a golf course mm -hmm. playing golf. So that's your golf link, John. So the, uh, all the big bed. things happen in the golf course, George. Right? Exactly. I've been a massive critic of the golfers up to this point. But 100, 100 greatest you know, golf albums, what would they be? This this is, you know, <laughs> Frank Sinatra, but you, <laughs> this, you know, the genesis of this album was a golf course, so yeah. we have to give props to the the swingers. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, the swingers! <laughs> he was looking at you there, John. That was a Denny quote, I think, mate. <laughs> that was a yeah. Denny quote. Uh, there's apparently a swingers place in Falkirk, but I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I go back into this quite a lot, this this album. It's one of those yeah, ones that I, I love sharing it with people who think Marvin Gaye is just, I heard it through the grapevine and, you know, it takes two and stuff like that. He's, he's so much more than that. And he was a very, very troubled, you know, to, to, to quote the title of 
a track that came a wee bit later, Troubled Man. He, he was yeah. a very, very troubled fella, and it's it's heartbreaking to to think that he couldn't quite uh, master his self-doubt. Um, it riddled him, but it didn't affect his, you know, it didn't appear to affect his, his art, which for me will live forever. I, I'm, I'm a massive Marvin Gaye fan, and this is his pinnacle. And it's, it's one of those when, uh, you know, when Lisa was talking about early on about, you know, it hits so many prescient topics. Um, but it's for me, it's it's almost spiritual listening mm. to this, and it drags me away from my more agnostic leanings. I, 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 you know, with people like Aretha Franklin and Marvin Gaye, I know there's something there. Yeah, and um, it really works for me in that respect. It leaves us on inner city blues, which is quite minor and edgy, but this is another worldly record. And it was only, I think, I, I looked early on, it was the 52nd most popular record by sales, 52nd most popular album of that year. Wow, didn't know that. Yeah, the single's huge, wasn't it? Um, the single was really it big. Kind of made them an album band, but um, but you're right, as back to the chat earlier, they, they weren't particularly famous for, even Motown weren't particularly famous for albums. Um through the 60s, so they were always sort of seen to be two-minute pop songs and stuff, so changed so many things, and uh, as I mentioned earlier. But Norman Whitfield and people like that really helped move yeah. things away with the Temptations. They were, they were, right, he was writing a lot about the, you know, the the social aspect, you know, the, the upheaval in America at the time, and obviously Stuart Cosgrove's, you know, got onto that in the last couple of years with his, his uh, famous trilogy of books about... Uh, Black American culture from that era, so it's Marvin Gaye is, you know, easily up there with, you know, with any of the people we've talked about tonight. Totally agree. And you mentioned the Wrecking Crew earlier on. I think when we were doing the Beach Boys, George, and one yeah. of the one of the other important things that Gaye did was he was the first major Motown singer to credit the Funk Brothers. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and on an album, the Funk Brothers, they, you know. There is no Motown. No Motown no. Those guys are, are absolutely pivotal to you know the sounds. If you if you like sixties music, if you like Motown music, you have to give you know major credit to the Funk Brothers. Julie, do you like Marvin Gaye? What's going on? Uh, okay. Um, I feel a bit unqualified to answer. Okay. Because full disclosure, it's not an album. I mean, I know the singles, Mercy, Mercy Me, What's Going On, blah, blah. It's not an album I'd ever listened to. It's not, I mean, Marvin Gaye's got a beautiful voice and I know obviously heard it through the grapevine, as, as you said, all the, the kind of famous ones. It's, I know how revered this album is, but it's never intrigued me. It's not really, um, I, I mean, I'm going to revisit it after mm -hmm. what you've said. It's like, Okay, um, but it's never been one. I mean, I know it's always topping lists and it's always this, but I really struggle to want to connect with it. That's kind of changed after everybody's kind of been raving about it. But I feel kind of like I I know the songs. Um, I've heard them. They've not really meant as much to me. I think deservedly it has to be in the top 100. Mm. But I, I don't know if I'd have them at number one, just because personally I've not really listened to this album. It's not really my kind of style and it's not something... 
that's had a major, I mean, I know Lisa and George and everything have said, you know, how much it's touched them. And that's what's made me want to kind of really listen to it. But I, I don't know if I'm qualified to give any critique because with the exception of the the well-known singles, mm, I've never really listened to it. And okay. I was very surprised that that was number one. It's a bit like John. Really because I don't know it. So, yes, I feel because he's amazing, or he was amazing, sorry. Um, and obviously the voice and everything. Uh, so deservedly, absolutely got to go top 100. But I can't lie, I was quite surprised he was number one. But mm. from hearing how much it's touched Lisa and George, uh, and I really respect their views on music. So I'm saying, I'm going to revisit that in my own time and maybe give mm. another chance. But it's just something, if I'm being completely honest, it's not a style I'm really into. I've yeah. never went, I want to hear Marvin Gaye or like, bought the CD. I think it's something I'd listen to more now. Definitely top 100, but I don't know if I'm really qualified to talk about the tracks because to be quite honest, it's not an album I've really listened to. Okay. I think I think if you do totally. listen to it a few times again, I think you may come back with a different... I don't know. Who knows? Oh, yeah. But... After hearing you and George, that's really spiked my interest and going, do you know what? I, I think I'd really <laughs> like to. I only know the singles. I've, and I kind of was like, I don't even really feel like... I, I just wasn't really into hearing it. Um, and that was partly due to time constraints. Um, but I, yeah. after hearing you and George speak about it, I'm like, yeah, I really, maybe I will take the time. It's just, I'll be absolutely honest. I can't critique the track or the album because I only know the singles. And yeah. I feel bad that but it was just, it was just a bit time constraints. I couldn't listen to all the albums before coming on. But it's never been one where I've went You're off. the only one, Julie, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so my advice, Julie. Julie, my advice yeah. to you would be, if you're going to listen to it, right, don't listen to it driving from Clydebank to Motherwell <laughs> and back again. <clears throat> right, it's probably not what he was thinking about. Maybe Inner City Blues was maybe as close as you get, maybe for, for one of the tracks, right? Yeah, and, and after George's beautiful, you know, tourist board for Largs, I'm never going there again. Yeah. Oh. From Scotland with Love, of course, King Creer. So that was the, the cover from Lars, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, definitely top 100, I agree. But I just feel like I can't give an honest critique because not, it's not one I've really listened to. However, I, I know how amazing George, especially, but I know Lisa, how much it's touched you and that thing you were saying about, you know, the, the children and stuff. So I'm kind of like, I'll go back to this. Yeah. But that's purely because of that's the way you've critiqued that, guys. Um, oh, other than fun. that, I'll be honest, I was I don't want to just bullshit you and say, oh, it's amazing, yeah, because that's what all the, the it always tops all the lists. I've never listened to it fully, but I'm definitely going to do that yeah, after hearing that tonight. I will. I mean, George and Lisa have been wrong more than been right, to be fair, over <laughs> the last year or so. But, but eventually, like, monkeys and typewriters, right? It's going to happen. Um, John, do you want to take us... Long, I don't mind. <laughs> Do you, want, do you want to take us home, John? Absolutely. Um, I think uh, George mentioned Stuart Cosgrove, and I think this was the introduction for me to Marvin Gaye. So his books, and we're talking with vaulted um, people here that have written um, his Three books about Detroit, Memphis, and Harlem are all based on what's going on in America at the time. And I'm reading that book, especially Detroit 67, right? Um, mm -hmm. I'm reading that and I'm going, right, he's, he's talking about Motown, he's talking about um, whatever's going on, all this stuff um, about music. Um, and as I say, the other, the other books, 
and it's a counterculture scene, uh, music. So I'm like, right, okay, I'm going to listen to some of these tunes, which ordinarily I wouldn't, and it made the books become alive within music, um, and it's a beautiful thing. And this album is not, again, you all know my musical taste, but not an album I would have went to. But I listened to that music because of Stuart Cosgrove and what he was talking about in his books. And it just really um, hit a chord, um, whether it's a song, an album, whatever. That's a concept album. Concept, what, what the fuck is that, right? Um, I'm not into concept albums um, pretty much, but this flows. Yeah. Absolutely flows, right? Um, and, you know, we, we talked about Abbey Road and the medley. Um, this is a medley that makes sense to me. Um, Save the Children, I think Lisa mentioned that. I've listened to that about three times today and I'm like, fucking hell, that is such a song, right? Um, amazing song. And right now, no. Mm. Yep. How, How many years ago was that? As George says, more, more, more pressing than ever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, <clears throat> it's got this written, written, um, sp sorry, spoken word bit in it. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking, you know, and I kind of rail against that generally, um, but I'm listening. I'm going fucking hell. You're you're nailing it. You're nailing it. You're nailing it. And then I think about songs like um, Michael Jackson, um, his Earth song, but he's doing all this fucking thing. I'm thinking, <laughs> step step back, you fucking arsehole, and look at Marvin Gaye doing Save the Children. Yeah, sure. Just, just you know, and it, I'm going Jarvis Cocker. Exactly. Right. You should have. Yeah. <laughs> United. <laughs> Jarvis would, Jarvis would never have done. He would never have done this to um to Marvin, would he? No, you know? no, 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 absolutely not. Oh. Because Marvin's not there at the part. <laughs> Jarvis would be there going. You are amazing, You're the man. Yeah. yeah. So. Brilliant. Best so, album ever, maybe. Um, not mine. No, no, no. I get that, but, but but I'm listening. I'm going. What an album! So it's Fantastic. interesting. And and he played golf to George. <laughs> the golfers know. Golfers know, mate. Boom, 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 boom. Right. One one thing before we go on this one is just yeah. the technical side of things with, with with the vocals that I never mentioned earlier. And it's when I was listening to it again today, uh, I listened to it again the way back, and I was I, I love and I, I never mentioned it earlier on the way he harmonizes with himself, mm. the two yeah. voice thing, yeah. and both voices are very different. Even if he's just doing a straight octave on what he's singing. The two voices, one will be soft, one will be a bit more forceful, and and they, they sort of weave in and out of each other, like perfectly. And it, I've listened to this album so much over the years that I sort of kind of forgot 
how good a technician he was. Uh, and he, if you get a chance to listen to it, again, those who have listened to it, uh, listen to his voice and listen to the the the, the technique he's employing when he's singing the harmonies, the counter harmonies, the octave that he's singing directly mm. below the... <clears throat> so whether it's either the octave or the harmony, it's, it's mm. incredible. I'm kind of excited now to, to actually listen to this after hearing the input where it's maybe something I would have missed or no gave it as much time. And actually, from what you've said, and especially that, George, I think I'm going to actually get a lot out of this. I'm kind of excited to listen to it fully for the first time. Well, he's, a, he's a guy who had, you know, the, the, not the voices in his head, but he had, you know, the the fight between the secular and the non-secular mm -hmm. in yeah. his life. His father was a preacher and obviously had a very contentious relationship with his father, which ended up finishing his life. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that there's that battle between the good and the yeah. And the, the the not so good with Marvin, and you sometimes get that in his voice, and you get that in a lot of his music as well, especially the stuff later on. He sort of embraced a little bit of that later on, but there's that battle between the two Marvins, mm. and he was in such a sad, low place when he started this, and it's almost like a rebirth for him. Um, you know, losing Tammy Terrell uh, the year before oh. Tammy Terrell was his yeah. best yeah. Well, you know. Hmm. Yeah. And to lose her to a brain tumour. Yeah, well, he, you caught know, her, he caught her on stage, didn't he? The first time he collapsed, he was on stage with her. Um, you go so back, it doesn't get any more go, emotional than that. Go uh, back and look at Tammy Terrell and Marvin Gaye. There's a, there's a promo clip of them singing Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Mm. Uh, and it, it's just, it's it looks the way that love for me should look mm. and feel and when when she was gone, a lot of him was lost, and this album's like him sort of pulling himself back from it. So yeah, I love it. Absolutely, thanks for that, mate. So a couple Hi, of things please. just I'm to finish. To that, definitely bring a couple of our guests back in again who have commented. So um, we mentioned Caroline a couple of times tonight. So Caroline said, um, "What's going on?" Absolutely yes! Exclamation mark. Very much of its time, and yet timeless. A masterpiece worthy of the top spot. So that's Caroline. And then David, we, we name checked Stuart Cosgrove a couple of times. Stuart was actually um, slated to join us tonight for quite a long time. And of course, Diaries pre Christmas, and he's been doing book tours and stuff. And it, it just never happened, right? Um, but I've had Stuart on podcast before talking about what's going on. He's an amazing guy. But anyway, David um, Ross gave us a comment saying, um, yeah, it's amazing. Um, could, should be number one. I remember talking to Stuart Cosgrove about this and thus pondering whether Marvin Gaye suspected that it was a record that would be considered as a pinnacle of black music 50 or 100 years after it was after it was made. Barry Gordy apparently told him it was terrible. Um, how do you know when you've made a work of art that's great? Would he have had the same doubts after Gordy said that? Again, timeless, human, empathetic, quietly magnificent. One of my favourite LPs. So there's there's something in there, isn't there? I think there's such a cross section mm. of people saying it's amazing, um, and uh, I'm sure Julie, when you get the time to sit and chill out with it. Yeah, I'm kind of gutted. I had to do well, last night. Some wine. Right. So I couldn't actually listen to it. Of course you do. 
Oh, um, I, just didn't want to, I just didn't want to uh, do lip service and say something that I've not listened to oh, fully and oh. just say, yeah, 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 and like, you know, read a review and it's not my honest critique. But these are really, these are people that know their stuff and especially about music. And these are people who I admire and see here in that there. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go back. And I'm quite excited about actually, I'm getting to listen to this for the first time. Really yeah. listen to this, and, and I'm kind of excited to having all that input. So, yeah, and enjoy it. You don't need to be thinking about anything, just no, nurse yourself in it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, I will. Trust, trust George, I think, so, the take on that, right? Trust George, oh. George, George knows. Hashtag George oh. knows. <laughs> We didn't get 100% on Twitter, but we did get 94%. And I actually challenged them as the, as the vote was going through. I challenged the, would that have been three or four or five voters actually at the end of it who didn't vote for it. And I just said, come, I'm always, I'd love to know why people maybe think differently. That's the whole point of music, isn't it? So. Mm -hmm. But they Absolutely. didn't, so um, um, maybe for another day. Probably, Julie, you are probably one of them, I guess, were you? Hey, 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 hey. Stop throwing me to the wolves, okay? I was just saying I didn't get time because of the kids. I, I know. I just pick up stuff at my I head. Know, Wait a wee minute. So that's us. Yeah. As I said, I just didn't want to read the review and give someone's interpretation of something that I've not had a chance to listen to. And I didn't want to, be, I want to just be totally honest and say, can't critique something I've not fully listened to. Quite After right hearing to. that, do you know what? Yeah, I, I, these are people I really respect, especially about music. And I'm like, absolutely, I'm really looking, I'm quite excited about hearing this, actually. Yeah. Okay, so... Can you come back on, Julie? We, we are going to do some stuff in 2024. Oh, just gonna, I just don't know what it is yet. So um, so leave that one with us all. And we'd love to get you back on, Julie. So we've got a final vote to do. Um, so we're seven out of eight. So... I think everyone's okay. Maybe Julie, you maybe not. No, not no, so no. As I said, look, it's Marvin Gaye. It's not going to be out with the top one hundred just because I've no listened to an album. It's Marvin Gaye. Okay, absolutely Perfect. has to be top hundred just because I've not heard the album. But it's Marvin Gaye. Come on, yeah, absolutely. Perfect. And if you do listen or anyone else listens oh, well. to it when they when they reissued it, I'm trying to think when that was 2011, 2012, maybe. Um, but there's a live album with it. Uh, What's going on live? Which is from '72, and they oh, basically wow. plays the whole album with the orchestration and stuff like that. But there's also a medley of all of his '60s mm. songs on it in the style of what's going on. If that makes sense. Ooh, so it's yeah. gonna be worth oh, it's one that's George. It's wonderful, the, mate. The it's all, all, all a bit laid back, all a bit chilled, all about him chatting about oh, stuff yeah. and. Oh, it's wonderful, mate. If you get a chance, uh, have a go. That, that. That's, this is what I love about stuff like this. I mean, just it, you're still learning stuff, and it's not like just set wee boxes and did it. You you interact with people, and you're still sparking stuff about music. I love that. That's what I love. Yeah, yeah. That's the first time we've ever agreed. I think in a year. So, <laughs> um, so we're finished. Uh, we are finished. So let me see where we go. We've got another five to add on. So we're full house tonight. John, so although you haven't voted for all five, that your podcast has made because it's part of the team you're in, right? So, <laughs> um, so that gives. I think it's the second time I think we voted all five in um, out of twenty. So, um, so fair, fair dues on that one. So we'll be working that one out at the end, but it's going to give us about sixty-nine out of hundred, I think, <laughs> that we voted in, which of course will give us thirty-one gaps to fill. Which for another day we'll come back to that. Brilliant, thank you. It's been a bit longer than, than normal tonight. Um, Before you continue, we do need Lisa's suggestion. Uh, sorry, uh, Julie's suggestion. We do, mate. Oh, we do. So, yes. I, I, thank you. Thank you. I'll, oh, I'll, I'll pass you back. So, we, we every guest gets a chance to nominate an album 
and um, and Julie, I'm you're our last guest of 2024. Does anyone want to guess the album before Julie tells us? Oh, let me see if somebody can guess this. No. I would say Pearl Jam. Okay. I'm going to say Nirvana. Never mind. No, she said earlier it wasn't Nevermind. Wasn't he listening? I don't know. <laughs> I am honestly don't. Go on, Julie, tell, tell me what your um, album is and why. It was, start, it was at the start. I was getting myself together. You're oh, reading the Tesco delivery, I know. Um, it is Ritual de Lo Habitual by Jane's Addiction. Wow. I because? adore this album. Uh, because? I... The, the second side of this album, and I'll keep going about my second side, but is one of the most perfect things ever. Um, this album really means a lot to me. I was 14 when I came across it. I was reading it around. I, I, there's some albums that I have listened to and read books at the same time, and they're forever linked. And I was reading The Trick is to Keep Breathing by Janice Galloway. At the time I was uh, listening to this, and they are the most completely opposite things you can ever think. And it absolutely merged when I was listening to this. I adore this album, everything about it. Um, the only track I hate is Being Caught Stealing, and that was the one that was on MTV, and that was the big one, and I was just like, oh, my God, listen to the other album tracks. Three Days is like this opus, like a, a ten-and-a-half-minute opus. It's just amazing. Of course, it's like eight-and-a-half minutes. It's got, like, oriental, it's got violins. It's um, I, I just... This is one of my albums, and yeah, the cover. Yeah, maybe maybe P uh, Beach Boys should take note because the cover is a threesome of Paper Mashi, Perry Farrell with two young girls. So you know, maybe Brian Wilson had maybe done that. Well, maybe not because it's with animals, but maybe not. Anyways, um, <laughs> I just adore this album, and I listen to it constantly. I know that Nothing Shocking was their debut, but I think this is. Jane's Addictions, Nadir. This is just the best album. I adore it. Brilliant. Fantastic. That's on the list. So we will add that to the other 10 or 11 guest um, nominations we've had, plus same, some of the stuff that uh, guys on the panel are going to add. And we're going to have some Twitter chat on as well, and um, we'll see what we can do with that. Um, brilliant. So first of all, Julie, thank you very much for joining us. Thank um, you. I, I hope it was worth the wait. Um, it, was, it was so good. Thank you for being so patient. Very welcome. So, on behalf of Julie, I, I, all the guests, I just want to personally thank them all because uh, a, it's it's so difficult to get guys lined up and then b to get their time and then when their input comes on, it's always brilliant. So, thanks for that, George, Lisa, John. I, I can't thank you enough, guys. Um, yeah, been great for another day, but it's been a long year, but a really good fun year, and I've learned so much about music and also got to know friends a lot more. So. Thank you very much for that. Oh, it's um, been pleasure. Good. Brilliant. No, no, no. My pleasure, I can assure you. And we will come back again. And uh, myself and John are guaranteed to be nominating the Cramps and Rush albums on the uh, on the list of things right. to be I've filling. Lost. I've lost. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, just just kind of one last thing, uh, one last thank you, I guess, is it's to all the artists and stuff. So I mean we've given gave the Rolling Stone and a whole bunch of guys a bit of a kicking and Probably some of it with, with absolute justification, but there's been some amazing albums. I think John said a while ago that we've listened to stuff and more importantly voted stuff on that we would never have voted on yeah. ever, and uh, yeah. and we've, we've we've absolutely hated other stuff as well, and that's fine. But we uh, we've loved some other stuff. So I was going to George. I've just I've just I've just finished off to say um, I, I, we may not have loved all, every artist that's been in. 
but we still loved having you on the list apart from Metallica because <laughs> they are toast, mate. Yeah, but we did name the podcast after. We did. <laughs> we did. And sure. it, will, it will stay that until we finish this list at some point next year. So, guys, um, thank you very much for your time. That was a fantastic idea, really. So, one of many. One of many. <laughs> the only one. Have an amazing time. Oh, I nearly got George for you, John for you went. Guys, have an amazing time. Have a brilliant Christmas. Christmas. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for everything. <laughs> and we'll see you soon. Take care. Thanks again. Thanks, bye, bye, bye. bye. Christmas, everyone. Bye. Christmas. <laughs>